Got to tell you, it wasn't the best postcard I've ever received. <laughs> Man. <laughs> uh, who hasn't uh, been there? That was a really. good one. That was a good one? <laughs> On one side or the other, at least. Another one. What? Another one. <laughs> well, welcome back, everyone, to the Real Heroes Podcast. Corey, Kevin, Nick here. Guys, uh, instead of saying this is the way, this is the week. This is the week. The big week. We, we have made it. It is, it is premiere week. Uh, we're recording this on, on Tuesday. Mando season two officially starts on Friday. Uh, my excitement is literally to the point where I can't stop humming the damn theme song around <laughs> my house. Uh, I'm pacing back and forth all the time. It's, it's just wonderful. It's, it's the best time of the year is when new Star Wars happens. So yeah. how are you guys doing? It's the most wonderful time. Of the well, man. Look at that. It's the debonair voice of of the deep over there. I have a uh, holiday beer in hand, so you know. What, what are you drinking? I'm drinking the uh, uh, funky Buddha Last Snow because I, oh, I am a fan of porters, the coconut, uh, coconut and coffee. Yeah. Man, God, I hate you right now. I can't well, wait. This is I also the best wait week for you. Whole thirty is over. Right, exactly. <laughs> You got what, like four days left, Kev? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. end of the month. You can, you can do well, it. Well, Halloween, Halloween day. Oh, you're allowed to drink on Halloween? Yeah, it's 30 days, not 31. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so specific. Take an inch, give a mile. Holy shit. Awesome. All right. So uh, with, with this week being the, uh, the premiere, uh, last time we went through episodes one through four of season one. Tonight we are going to, at a relatively fast pace, go through episodes five, six, seven, and eight of season one. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, predictions, hopes, dreams, 16-inch Baby Yoda, all that good stuff. So... Um, <laughs> Boys, let's let's hop right into it. Uh, episode five, season one, entitled "The Gunslinger," written and directed by Mr. Dave Filoni. Uh, Nick, I'm going to start with you. What, what's your favorite thing about this episode? Probably all the Easter eggs that are just littered throughout this entire episode. Um, the, the member berries—they're there. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, and it comes from all over the, the entire saga too. Um, you know, especially, I mean, going back to Moe's Eisley, like the cantina, the same cantina, the same booth that Han was in. Uh, I I mean, aside from the, um, the rookie, (laughs) Toro uh, Calican, you're you're not a Toro. I I mean, you know, he, he, he did, he served his purpose. Um, but I think the biggest thing, uh, Aside from all the Easter eggs, and, and they, it, being Dave Filoni and Filoni knowing so much, um, you're not surprised to see all the Easter eggs. But I, I think the um, the very very end of those boots walking up. Mm, what do those boots sound like? I mean, obviously, it sounds like a gunslinger. Like it's like oh, here's a. It's again, this is the space western. You, you know, you hear the spurs. Um, I know you and I spoke. I think. <laughs> way back when and when it was like is this cad bane i wish man but like, he, I, he would be way too old for this I though I, I, um, i'm pretty sure it's either boba, boba fett or yeah. someone wearing boba fett's armor which mm-hmm. could, it could be a big C- tease for season two but um but yeah that that last shot is is pretty dope oh man yeah it's like a huge huge tease right there um 
I hope it. I hope it is Boba. I mean, I know that there's talks for obviously for him being season two, so it would make sense um, because it's on Tatooine. And if he escaped the Sarlacc pit, well, yeah, that kind of works, kind of fits. Yep, and it's only five years after Return of the Jedi, so it is. It's in the right time frame, which which makes that's a lot of sense. Very much so. And that's that's how long did it take him to get out of the Sarlacc pit? Do we know a couple? A long fucking time, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, who knows because the story that they told about that isn't canon anymore right right the books um i'd have to i'd have to go back and check in the books but um it was a few years after that's what um, i thought so i mean it, it could have been within that time frame to him actually come back and people to like hear he's back so you know again i don't know if it's one of those things where favreau and filoni kind of put together and go well, this is Mandalorian, and mm-hmm. technically, Boba Fett was still alive, you know, before, um, you know, the Disney era took over the films and decided what was, ca- you know, canon or not. Um, even though a lot of people still believe that the legends, the legends portion is still canon. I mean, it, it is in my heart just because there's. I mean, they they took Thrawn. Thrawn was uh, was uh, you know part of the extended right. universe, and they basically yes. said Thrawn's actual like canon now because they, they're we, picking and choosing, right? And I think it's something where it could yeah, exactly. And I think that 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 would work for them to do that. Um, because I think you you had, one of you guys had mentioned it last uh, last week, where it's like we don't really get a lot of screen time in from Boba Fett in the original trilogy right you know and i i do like the line um oh god what what i think it was was it episode uh five when mando says uh he's no good uh Uh she's she's no good to be dead dead. and i was (laughs) like that's boba fett empire strikes back talking about han solo when he tells vader he's no good to be dead like there's a couple uh, lines like that in this episode there's one part where he says that fennec has the high ground so that she'll wait for them to make their move (laughs) and it's it's good there's a there's a good amount in that episode but oh yeah um, the easter eggs there are plenty there are pit droids like yeah oh man pitroids tatooine makes sense yeah. right it's yeah exactly a yeah. prequel reference there so uh droids and with amy sedaris <laughs> dude this show is full of d-list comedians i love it, it. it's <laughs> such an unlikely choice to just pop up in there you're like wait wait oh yep that's that's amy sedaris all right terrific <clears throat> kevin what's your favorite part of this episode uh just like what nick was saying i loved all of the all of the throwbacks and easter eggs and stuff but um I, I really did like uh, the uh, right at the beginning um, where Mando's out trying to outrun the uh, the other bounty hunter in yeah. the dogfight when he says I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold and he uh, yeah line. <laughs> that was <laughs> good yeah that was that was pretty badass but oh that and and um, the fact that there's like a like a Star Wars sniper yeah you know, that's just that's pretty badass. Speeder yeah. bikes, you know, <laughs> always one of my favorite things. It's just chock full of just, I mean, this, this seems on the surface, and I think Corey and I spoke about this, it seems like a, a filler episode to a, to a large degree because it doesn't really move the storyline along that much. For now. Um, right. For now, yeah. Yeah. But having said that, um, they made it as cool as they possibly could just by giving us, like, 
like I said, like Dubaks and speeder bikes and, and Tuscan Raiders and, you know, most Eisley and the Cantina and like all of this stuff, all of this throwback stuff to make you go, Oh yeah, this is definitely star Wars. Oh yeah. You, you, you can feel it uh, in full force in that, in that episode. No pun intended. It was stuff that we know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think for, for me, uh, this one is, probably the weakest episode of, of the eight in my mm. opinion not necessarily just because it's filler it just I, I really don't like that that toro calican character that much it doesn't yeah really i didn't care for him too much for me but i will yeah. say um the photography in this episode is stunningly beautiful oh it's gorgeous the stuff yeah, where they're on the speeder bikes <laughs> and they're going over the the dunes um all the the low light photography um there's a sunrise scene where toro is talking to fennec while they're waiting for mando to come back that's just oh yeah it's gobsmackingly beautiful and I'm, i i try to sit there and find like the stitching between what's mm. real and what's volume and i can't find it <laughs> like to me that's just it's the coolest part about yeah no it's, everything it's, they're doing visually it's like it's dude. done too well man and that's why they can get away with showing speeder bikes in the desert for like three and a half minutes straight with no dialogue yeah. it's like you don't really mind looking at yep. it you know nope <laughs> when mando first sees the speeder bikes and Toro goes, what? It's not like Ron Corellia. <laughs> yeah. Another shout out. All the, all the so little many throwbacks. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So cool. Let's, uh, let's move on then. Uh, episode six, which is entitled The Prisoner, uh, directed by Rick Famuyiwa, who also did episode two, The Child. Um, we get a, a good old fashioned prison break on this one. Uh, <laughs> Nick, we started with you last time. So Kevin, what's your, what's your, your big win from this episode? So <clears throat> actually I made notes of a lot of stuff on, on this episode. And again, storyline, meh. Um, however, some really cool stuff. First of all, you got Bobby Elvis from Sons of Anarchy. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is cool. Mark Boone Jr. is awesome. Um, you have a, a what, Deveronian? Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> this is just cool to, to just look at. Cause I mean, that's another Easter egg. That's like, you know, if you're just going by the films, he was in the first most Eisley cantina yep. scene for like one and a half seconds, I think. And that's, that's it. That's yep. it. Telling you, man, uh, Favreau dumped his toy box out and was like, I absolutely. want this one and I want this one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But um, probably one of the best parts of this entire episode to me is um, <clears throat> when, when the entire team has turned on, on Mando and, he has split them off from each other and he's sneaking up on, on what's his name. And you just see the, the light strobing and yeah, you, um, you, you see Mando behind him. Like it, it's like straight out of a out. horror movie. Dude. It oh, is. Dude. Yeah. It's oh. such a great scene. And then, and then he realizes that he's behind him. He's like, no. <laughs> yep. Fantastic. Again, another comedian, Bill Burr. Yeah. yeah. Who, if you've ever seen his stand up, man, he's, Bullbird is savage. Amazing. He is, he is savage. I, I, I love his uh <clears throat> his last uh, Netflix special. It's a good one. Holy crap. <laughs> He's got like four or five on Netflix. It's like you can you can burn an entire afternoon watching watching yeah. him tell jokes. But yeah, but his his character, uh sadly, I think had a lot of promise to it. Uh, you know, had the cool like you know, he was he was the pistol guy and he had the yep. the like 
robotic arms coming from behind him holding the other pistols and all that kind of shit. And it, it really, you know, you, I could see him, um, you know, some like spinoff storylines around him and, and maybe even this entire band of Mercs was, it was interesting. I'd, I'd like to kind of see that backstory and how exactly Mando fucked over the Twi'lek. And Mando lets him live. So, yeah. I mean, you, you yeah. see throughout the episode that he's picking them off one by one and killing them, but he just, he locked them up in a, in a new Republic jail cell. Yep. <laughs> Good stuff. Nick, how about you? Um, <laughs> I would say between the fact that Bill, Bill Burr was in this, um, cause he's like the face of Boston, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, but I, 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 I'm going to say, I, I agree with everything Kevin said. Like I was going to say that little horror flick that seemed almost like something out of like an alien movie. Uh, except you can kind of see the blips of Mando appearing every time that the red light pops on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll say at the end, you know, when Mando screws, um, uh, you know, screws what's his face over at the very end, and you see the three X Wings coming yep. in, and it's Rick, Filoni, and Deborah. You guys, the three directors flying in as X-wing pilots and just shooting the shit out of that like little base there, like <laughs> just blow it all to hell, man. It's yep. great. And, and the, oh he, man, he knows that he realizes what's happening right at the last minute. Like oh, they, and then it's like they fly right past him too. Like oh, yeah. it's like is that a tracking beacon? <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, that that looks like I was the, tra- the tracking beacon. Definitely okay, a tracking beacon. <laughs> yep, like uh-huh. that was so well done. Uh, like that X-Wing that they filmed the three of them in there, um, I about shit my pants when I watched the the gallery on Disney Plus because the X-Wing that they used to film those scenes is the actual X-Wing that's in Galaxy's Edge that you can like take your picture with. Oh, that's cool. Oh, wow. In in the, the park here in Florida. Um, they said they basically had to disassemble it <laughs> to build a seat that could go underneath to film them in. And then they put it back together and shipped it to Orlando to, to put it in the theme park. So that, that yeah. is a real life prop there. It's pretty cool. Speaking of Galaxy's Edge, something I noticed, I, I forgot to mention last time in uh, chapter four, um, when, when he meets Cara Dune for the first time, the, the like little restaurant or like whatever it is that he walks into, it looks a hell of a lot like the, the restaurant at Galaxy's Edge with the big spit in the middle. Or the Ronto Roaster place. Yeah. Yeah. It looks it, it it bears a striking resemblance to all of the architecture and the way that that just the aesthetics of of Galaxy's Edge there. It's really cool. Yeah, if you go in the gift shop there too, um, the one that has all the lightsabers in it, um, mm-hmm. they have Mando's helmet and pulse blaster on the wall, which is which is pretty awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and that opened was... up before Mando even premiered, which is crazy. Oh, uh, that's cool. There's um, one other person that obviously, like at first, I, I, I could tell who who she was from her from her voice was um, uh, Natal uh, Natalia Tenney or Tenna. Thanks. It was in Potter. well and Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yep. As one of the wildlings. Yep. She was um, with uh, Hodor, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. In, the, in the early seasons, um, but. Uh, yeah, that was really cool that she was in there. Yeah, yeah, double rip. Well, she's not. They're not dead, really. <laughs> double rip. Uh, Tonks is dead. <laughs> Tonks yeah. is dead. That's what I was yeah. referring to. Yeah, she, she, yeah, that's that's awesome. But uh, yeah, I'd say my favorite thing. Um, I was gonna say the the 
fucking hallway thing that both of you guys said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But low key, the the humor in this episode mm-hmm. was was on point for me. Um, yeah, it was the the part where uh, he's introducing Bill Burr's character, and he's like, "Yeah, he was an Imperial sharpshooter," and Mando's like. Well, that doesn't mean much. And he goes, I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass. <laughs> and like, just, and they, they expound on that a little bit um, at the beginning of episode eight. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> In pure Taika fashion, which we'll get to. Oh, yeah. But, oh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, you've, you've got that moment. Um, you know, you've got the, the Deveronian shooting the little mouse droid and <laughs> it sets off the, the New Republic droids. Um, Shion makes fun of the this is the way bit because she's never seen Mando with his helmet off. Yeah. Um, Bill Burr is like, oh, maybe he's a Gundam, a Gungan. Oh, do you, yeah. you so look alike this? And he's yeah. like, in front of him and shit. It's, it's good. They, they had a comedian in there and, you know, they, they got their, their money's worth out of him. So they also. Yeah. Uh, went all out on the scene where Mando takes out like five of those droids by himself yeah. and everybody just watches. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end, they all just kind of nod like, yeah, all right. That's why we like, all right, cool. 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 All right, let's go. <laughs> uh, good stuff. All right. So um, moving on, uh, let's go to episode seven, which is entitled The Reckoning, uh, directed by Deborah Chow, who also did episode three, The Sin, uh, also the future director of the Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I guess I'll go first on this one. Um, force healing. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because this episode, when it premiered, came out on a Wednesday. It was the only episode that season that came out on a Wednesday because it premiered the same exact week as The Rise of Skywalker, which also uses force healing as a big plot point. And it was like, uh-huh. Mando got it in, like, just before the movie did. <laughs> um, and, and good old Baby Yoda, he, uh, he heals up Carl Weathers, and Carl Weathers' character, Grief Karga, he's, he's like, he's trying to eat me. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. He's not trying to <laughs> but eat then him. He- he immediately changes his his entire plan. Yeah, yeah. And it, it drives <clears throat> after the, plot the child heals him. Yeah, into the last episode and a half of the uh, of the season. So, uh, yep. force healing, a, a new ability that was introduced by this show, not by a movie, which I thought was pretty neat. Uh, mm-hmm. And and they got it in before the before the film came out. So, um, Kevin, let's go to you. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> the child also force chokes Cara Dune. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was hilarious actually that was fantastic you know, he's, he's like, got this like yeah like, pissed off look on his face like, why are you hurting my, my father dad? yeah you know? Papa. Um, <clears throat> so yeah that was that was fantastic and also the um <laughs> the part where uh mando and cara dune are like kind of outfitting themselves in his little armory on the ship and then you know, everything starts to go sideways. And you're like, what the hell's going on? Maybe are they caught in a tractor beam or what? And you know, find out, nope, nope, the child is just trying to pilot the ship. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going back there, no. It's like a, like a four-year-old driving a car or a boat or something. You're like, what yeah. the hell are you doing? We're going to crash. So good. Uh, all right, Nick, I have a feeling that I know what you're going to say, but hit me. I, I mean when they get back to the town on uh, Navarro and when they, when the outfit of, well, I should say when, um, when the death troopers make their um, blasting appearance and, um, 
uh, they're in the bar and they get shot to hell. Like, you know, I don't know, a Western probably does. And, yep. um, and the man himself, yeah, there it is. Giancarlo Esposito My man. makes his, his, not just like any appearance. It's like a grand appearance and a tie fighter that does things we haven't seen other tie fighters ever do. Yep. Shit like folds down, allows him to get off nice and easy, like a throne almost. And then he calls out everyone's full names and where they're from. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> you get another throwback there, too, when you find out that Cara Dune is from Alderaan. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a big throwback. Mm-hmm. Because Alderaan's Gone. not around anymore. So Kind of explains why she hates the Empire so much and was so willing to come along on this trip. Maybe yeah. just a smidge. But it's it's funny because the entire time she's like, four stormtroopers? Yeah. She kept saying, like, you, said you said four. You said four. <laughs> you said four. There are a lot more than four. Like, because there's more. What can I say? <laughs> I also think it's kind of funny. You got Carl Weathers, like, you know, taking these shots of, like, blue liquor the entire yeah. time. And they're trying to, like, hatch a plan. Like, great. Um, so funny. I, 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 and obviously, like, I think we're all, we're all bummed to, uh, uh, see the death of Quill. Yeah, oh, yeah. God, that's that episode. That's not even that, eight. That's in seven, right? The way it, yeah, the way it right ends. At the end, yeah. Like it's like this is big revealing moment, and it's like, oh shit, how is this going to work out? But you know that the the two um, stupid, you know, speeder bike troopers are on their way, or scout troopers, I think they are. Um, you know, are going to get the child and hunt down Quill on the on. Um, Oh, I can't think of the damn creature. The Blurg. Um, the Blurg, yeah. And it just kind of cuts, and you see, like, one of the troopers scoops up the child, and then you just see Quill's, like, corpse there with, like, you know, smoke coming off his back or yep. whatever. And it's like, it's like my heart kind of sank. And I was yeah. like, yeah, it was, shit. It was, it was like shades <laughs> of shades of Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Yeah. You know, at least he wasn't, like, burnt to a cinder. Yeah, uh, exactly. But, but it was on the... I, on the on the same kind of level as that, you know, just really yeah. sad. But Quill dying, like it, it adds weight and stakes does. to the show, mm-hmm. because yeah. in the first two or three episodes, he's he's like the mentor figure to Mandy. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then in the beginning of episode seven, he rebuilds IG Eleven and reprograms him to not be a hunter, but to be a nurse droid and to yeah. take care of the child. And you know, we see what that does in episode eight, but it's like, you know, you have a guy who has probably as much screen time as anybody else other than Mando and the child and he dies, which, which really kind of ups the ante. Um, And to go back to Moff Gideon, it takes like 30 seconds for him to cement himself as like an all time star Wars, badass villain. It's great. (laughs) You have what I want. Yeah, <laughs> it's just his damn delivery, man, and he doesn't. I, I, he doesn't even have to do much different no. from character to character. You know, I, I mean, this is. <laughs> it, it, it's like the same delivery as you get from him and the boys, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't matter. It's oh. it's completely believable and it's utterly badass. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and he's got the full cape, and it's just, it's great. Yeah, he's got he's got like the the facial hair. Yeah, the, the little pencil thin mustache. Little, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Little, little and I like the hair. fact that he he does not speak in uh, contractions at all. 
He doesn't, he doesn't say things like, doesn't he, he says, but you do not, mm-hmm. you know, not like you don't, yeah. um, which makes it just seem so much more intentional and somehow like, I don't know, proper and better than you. Yep. <laughs> you know, uh, cause I, I'm, I'm now that you mentioned that I'm actually kind of trying to quickly re- replay the lines in my head. Um, that, uh, like Grand Moff Tarkin, mm-hmm you said in, in episode four or, or, or even lines that Vader says, like, I, d- I don't, I don't yeah, know. The, the upper echelon of the empire speaks very proper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like we have complete authority. Right. And you will abide by our rule. Right. It's, it's like they, it's like, it's almost like it invokes a little bit of fear. Yep. Yeah. And, and everything commands. they say is very measured. Cerebral. Yeah. Very calm. Yes. Yeah. You, you rarely see somebody like that lose their cool um, because Maybe. they're not, <laughs> they, <laughs> they feel like they have so much confidence, so much power that they don't really need to lose their cool. Yeah. yeah. That's why director Krennic got smoked in Rogue One because he lost his cool <laughs> too damn much. And then they shot the Death Star right at him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Idiot. <laughs> yeah. Idiot. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. That episode seven, that's a. That, I almost feel like seven and eight is a two-parter, like that are yeah, kind of meant to be seen together. But that cliffhanger, they made us wait for an entire week after, yeah, after Gideon shows up and then Quill gets got. It's a, yeah, this, that's intense. So, so let's uh, let's wrap know, up. One, oh, one, one really last thing, real quick. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, one of the coolest, I think, um, Easter eggs or throwbacks or whatever, uh, so far is like I, I don't know if you guys noticed this but the the flight computer inside the razor crest um it looks almost identical to what luke was looking at when he was approaching the death star with those weird the the, the like little planes that it's like straight out of the old 80s star wars video game oh yeah it's yeah. it's perfect it, and and it's like it just kind of it ties the the razor crest to that same you know, timeline. Cause like you said, this is, this is only a few years later. So yeah. um, it's like, and everybody has kind of commented on what a kind of a hunk of junk the Razor Christ is. So it's like, oh, <laughs> junk. it's, it's old. <laughs> oh, there's a, there's another Easter egg for you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> if we're, if we're on Easter eggs and we're on toy stuff. Uh, so the death troopers show up and oh. then all of the additional stormtroopers show up after them on that, that car that kind of drives mm-hmm. in that's called a troop transport. Yeah. It was something that was made as a toy back in the eighties. I think Kenner made it and it never was in any of the films, but they, it was very much a toy and they were like, yeah, let's use that. So they built that's one. awesome. And they that's, put that's it in the damn episode. Like that the, is so cool. again, it's Favreau going up in the attic and finding all of his toys from back when Star Wars came out and putting them in a TV show. And, and, and it's wonderful. It's, it's so damn good. But um, I think we'd also be remiss uh, while talking about episode seven. Uh, it's the end of Werner Herzog's client character. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he gets blasted to hell. Uh, Rather unceremoniously. Yeah. Kind of sad. <laughs> uh, although he does get to deliver one of my favorite lines from the entire season, which is where he says, um, can I offer you a libation to celebrate the closing of our shared narrative? Yeah. And what a line. What a fucking line. <laughs> like that that is only line. shit that you hear in Star Wars. Like it it oh, made yeah. me think back to 
Mark Hamill talking in the documentaries about the making of the original films where he's like, who the hell talks like this? Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it very much felt like that. It was awesome. Like, you want a drink? Sure. There right, exactly. <laughs> but, but no, but no. <laughs> it, it sounds like some, some Tarantino-esque dialogue. Yeah. You know, it's like from like Pulp Fiction where, where um, uh, Sam Jackson's character is eating the big kahuna burger. Mm-hmm. And he, he asks like, do you mind if I have a sip of your tasty beverage to wash this down? You know, it's, it's so intentional and like overly wordy, right. but it's like, it's beautiful. Instead of, hey man, let me borrow that soda real fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me have a sip. Good, good stuff. All right. So uh, season finale time, episode eight, Redemption, directed by the great Taika Waititi, uh, who's also the voice of IG-11 on this show. Um, guys, this one is, is jam-packed, so I'm going to go with <laughs> what your two favorite things are from this episode, uh, and we can, we can spend a little bit more time on this. So, Nick, what are your two favorite things? Hey, hey, finale? don't can, – can you just – let's save – the most obvious thing. I already know what I'm. I, I know what I'm gonna <laughs> save. I'm, I already know what I'm saving for Corey. So I was gonna say, let's save the, the most obvious thing because okay. it's on all of our lists. Let's save that to the end of this. Right. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, 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 yeah. So, sure. so, man, God. Um, Fuck you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, okay. So, the two things I'll I'll pick, because, um, like we said right right before we started recording everything in this episode is great there's not one thing that you could look at and be like eh or no like every single thing can be checkmarked as good or better in my opinion um so i'll say the um the beginning part with the two scout troopers um <laughs> who just act like com- complete idiots you know, and they're trying to shoot that debris on the ground and they keep missing. And then they, they're, they're uh, you know, the comedy that's written into the child and the child bites on the stormtrooper or, you know, scout troopers. But then the fact that they keep hitting it and then all of a sudden, <laughs> Taika Waititi in IG-11, the nurse droid, here to, to, here to protect well, <clears throat> to the rescue. The fact that one of those troopers is Jason Sudeikis is Ed Lasso like, himself. Yeah, I was gonna say, and the, fact, and the fact that one of them is is Jason Sudeikis is is hilarious because again, you got this other comedian type, you know, actor, um, you know, in the mix. You yep. know, even though you don't see his face, it's fine because yeah. you know voices are are everything too. And um, <laughs> they get the point. I get the yeah. point. Do you get the point? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I just scooped it up. I, I, I stopped like one second. <laughs> it's, it's the dialogue. He's fine. He's there. Yeah. <laughs> the, the di- was like, I don't know. It's like some sort of pet or something like that. Like, like, the dialogue. Eat it or what? But. <laughs> yeah. I don't ask questions. He just shot a, He just shot like the whole squad or something like that. I don't know if you heard. He just killed like a dozen of his own men. His own yeah. guys. <laughs> like the dialogue in this, it's just, it's, it's, it's got Taika's name all over it. Um, which is, which is great. Cause it's, it's, it's serious. It's funny. It's sad, um, but the whole part with IG Eleven, like he turns into this complete murder machine that IG units are. The point where even Grief Carter at one point says, "God, I love IG units," yeah. <laughs> you know. 
And um, the other part I'll say is um, when uh, you know things aren't looking good for for the squad, and they um, bring in the flame trooper. Hell yeah! And like you, the couple, there's a couple times when you know the child's like looking around and the things are on fire, and you, he's just looking. He's just like looking, and all of a sudden, you kind of just like the shot of the doorway, and you just see like. The child kind of like do this uh, stand up from yeah. from behind him, and he just holds his little little tiny hands, three <laughs> fingers, and just like tiny little baby Jesus push pushes <laughs> pushes the flames, and it's like saving everyone, and everyone's just like dumbfounded, like yep. what is happening? And then he just does a little flick of the wrist, and the fire just goes right back and explodes. <laughs> right it combusts and just blows the shit yep. out of everything. Amazing. Like, and oh then, my god! And then he promptly passes out. <laughs> and he like this little he sits down. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. he sits down. And, uh, eh, uh, must nap. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm tired. Love it. It's so good. Uh, great. All right, Kevin. All right, your, your um, two things. So, just a comment on one of Nick's things. One of the the great things about the comedy in this is that. And Taika pushed it right up to the point of no return where it was like, if you take one more step with this, it's going to, it's just going to break the, the mood of the entire it's thing. It's not Star Wars anymore. Right. Right. And, but he didn't go. Yeah. But he didn't go that far. He stopped just short of that line and it was perfect. It was just, you know, some, some Han Solo esque, you know, comedy relief in there, you know, who's scruffy looking kind of thing. Um, but it was, it was perfect. He just rode that line, you know, um, yeah. <clears throat> instead of stepping over it. So that was great. Um, one, one of my favorite things that I just noticed on my second watch of this, I didn't even notice it the first time during all of this. And it might be when Moff Gideon blasts him in the helmet. Uh, but somewhere in here, Mando gets a dent in his Mandalorian helmet Yep. In almost exactly the same place where Boba Fett's dent was. Hmm. It's like it's right in in the the crown of his uh, of his helmet, and it's like I don't think it's quite as big. Um, hmm. Obviously, the paint's not rubbed off because it's not painted. It's kind of like that that raw metal look, but like it's yeah. a dent right in that same almost same exact place. And I just loved that because it's just this like you know little hint or little nod to that, uh, in my opinion. So. Loved that. The other part, um, and I'm, I'm going to take your guys' silence as like, oh, I didn't notice that. It, it totally didn't. But that's okay. <laughs> I saw the. I, I saw I the. Like, no, no, I saw the dent. Um, like I noticed it the every single time I've watched it, but I, I, I didn't make the comparison to Boba Fett's right. Um, dent though. So yeah. again, it could have been one of those felony things. Like, did you know that Boba Fett had a dent here? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, Dave, I didn't. That's no. probably what it was. Um, <laughs> I've been staring at that dent since I was like, you know, three, four years old. So <laughs> I enough. noticed it. Um, the other best part for me was um, when they make their way to the caves and they come back to the old Mandalorian lair. Um, and the only oh, one yeah. is the armor. Mm. Um, <laughs> and she, she's just such a badass, you know. Oh my god! You talk about delivery of her lines and stuff. I mean, I I have no yep. idea if we're ever going to get to see any more of this character. God, I hope so. I hope so. I I, I really want to see because a, a couple of things. 
one, she's so authoritarian that all she had to do was tell Mando, you're the, you're the daddy now. Yeah, you're the uh, dad. And he's like, fuck, I guess I am. Okay, shit. thank you. This, 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 <laughs> is, this ah, is the way. <laughs> this is the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the, the other thing is, she just went berserker on those stormtroopers with some fucking blacksmith tools yep. and took them out like a Viking warrior princess. You know, it was like, what the hell just happened? She this damn is, sure looked like one. This is a space opera and she just beat him to death with like some hammers. You know, it was, <laughs> it was, it was brutal, man. It was like, like, we don't see any blood, but like their, their helmets are shattering. Yeah. And like, she, she turns around there at the end and she's just like, wow. Like fuck yeah! Just like looks around, like no one's standing, and I'm like, yeah. and, and that's the thing it kind of cuts, and it's like, but is she still alive? Is she a Valkyrie? <laughs> she might, <laughs> might she as well might be. be a Valkyrie. Oh, so that those that that scene was absolutely amazing. The entire thing, you know, her giving him the damn uh, jetpack. <laughs> oh <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, oh man, it's just the signet. It's, like you're a family of two now, and it's yeah, like, exactly. Kind of just to piggyback what you were saying, like her deliveries, and again, kudos to to Taika for the dialogue, um, and I guess Favreau for writing it too. But um, everything that he's like, you mean I have to search the entire galaxy for this child's home world? She's like, this is the way, and it's like <laughs> you got told, son. Like it's your job, bitch. Get like, out there and do it. Be somebody. Like didn't care. Oh, oh, I don't ruin that part yet because I, I don't know if that's something <laughs> you're gonna say, Corey. But no, like, no, you can you can go on with the the name part. Yeah, like oh, let's let's like didn't Jaren, You gotta go find this your your child's home planet, son. Like, and she drops the name of Jedi in there. She mentions that. Oh, is, I is know this about my enemy. It's like yeah, they I were, already know about these fucking creatures. Yeah, but, but this is not. Like, yeah. Where was this information yesterday? <laughs> this is some useful shit you're dropping on me now, you know? She calls yep. them a group of enemy sorcerers. Yeah. <laughs> so is he an enemy? No. This individual is not. It's like, come on, Mando, bro. Like this this little this he's, little He's a foundling. Child. Yeah, this foundling <laughs> saved your ass a couple times now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's some heavy stuff in there. Like her her lines during that part are the narration for the teaser for season two mm-hmm. yep. like that, that's how good it is it literally lays out the quest for the next season of the show in the finale of this one which is which is just amazing but um and, and also elevates his um you know attachment to the child from yeah. i think he's sweet and he's he's kind of saved my ass a couple of times too now no you know he might have been your father but i'm your daddy you know it's a yondu moment (laughs) absolutely absolutely and then it also takes him from you know the the journey of the the season where it's well he's he's my quarry he's my target to Mm uh where i go he goes yep whenever you see those commercials do you hear the my buddy theme song in your head no. Do you remember that? From, okay, no. so I'm showing my you're just, age. You're old. There used to be, <laughs> there used to be a toy um, that was like, <laughs> it was the dumbest thing because it, it was like, it was the boy version of a baby doll and it was called My Buddy. And the, mm-hmm. the whole tagline is, wherever I go, he's going to go. 
and it's like <laughs> it's like my buddy my buddy and so the entire time i'm watching these commercials i'm just thinking my buddy and me <laughs> oh my god wow from kenner <laughs> great the same company that made this the uh the transport <laughs> that's right so uh i'm not gonna say the obvious for for my my first pick here but uh we we finally get to see they've been building up the flashbacks through multiple mm. episodes during the season yeah. and we finally get to see the the full aftermath of what happened when little little child dinjarin gets put in that kind of little fall away shelter bunker uh his parents get destroyed by a super battle droid nice prequel reference there check um and then yep. when the door opens i was wondering like who's gonna save him is it gonna be yeah, right. Obi-Wan? is it gonna be anakin is it gonna be like captain rex like what's what's going on who's it gonna be it turns out it's it's the fucking Death Watch Mandalorians, which yep. is like a deep cut Clone Wars reference, which I thought was Huge. incredible. Um, and the coolest thing about that, though, is not just the fact that it was the Death Watch. They they rescue him, and one of the Mandos grabs him, and they take off on the Mando's jetpack. And Little Din is looking over the Mandalorian's shoulder at the jetpack as they're taking off. And yep. then when you cut to the end of this episode, grown-up Din Djarin takes off on his jetpack holding Baby Yoda, and Baby Yoda is looking over Din's shoulder, and it's framed the exact same way. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's so good. Like, it gives me chills just thinking about it. And, like, that relationship is so concrete after only eight episodes. It's like... Yeah. Yep they're going to break your heart in season two. <laughs> you just, you just know yeah. it, like going into it. Likely, I hope not. Or, um, or three, but, but then, uh, but yeah, so that's my, one of my favorite things. And the other things is the mother fucking dark saber. Like, come on, <laughs> man. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was probably the biggest reveal of the, like aside from Yoda's species being brought back um, into the season, that was probably the, one of the biggest things that I don't think anyone expected no, no, no. I even all of us hardcore nerds that sat through every episode of this on the edge of our seats, noticing all of the Easter eggs and like, holy shit, all of this kind of like references and everything. When that blade pops through the TIE fighter, every last fucking one of us was like gobsmacked. There was no, there was just no warning for that. Because we immediately knew what it was. It was like, holy shit, that's the Darksaber. Like, yeah. Yeah. And why, I, is, why does Moscovidian have it? How? I actually tried to convince myself at first that it wasn't. Because I heard the noise, <laughs> and I was like, no way. It's a vibroblade. He's, just, I he's cutting his way out. Yeah. And then it, it kept going, and it was like lightsaber <laughs> size. And I was like, holy fuck, they're really doing this. Filoni's going there. Yeah. And, like that thing, that weapon is probably the most prized possession of the entire Mandalorian culture and people. Oh yeah, uh, and it's it's basically seen as whoever holds that leads the Mandalorian people. Right. Uh, you know, it, it goes from Tar Vizsla to to Pre Vizsla. Darth Maul has it for a while. Sabine yep. has it, and then yep. we last see it with uh, Bo Katan in Star Wars Rebels. Yep. And then we don't have any backstory on how it ended up in 
the hands of just some guy from the empire, which makes you think he's not just some guy from the empire. So right. It's intense, man. Yeah. And we get, we get the, the, the lines uh, from, I believe it, uh, Cara Dune says it saying like, no, Moff Gideon, he's supposed to be dead. Right. Um, because of the war crime charges and it's like wait war crimes uh, because obviously he, he looks a little old um no no offense to john carlo or anything like that but like you know i mean he's probably been in service to the empire for i don't know at least 30 years maybe so especially if he's a moff you know i mean he had to have gone through the ranks um which would probably take time, you know, and, and obviously at that point, like depending on, on how his service went through the empire, which we don't really know. And again, you're talking, you want to talk about like a, some sort of spinoff or like a small, like comic run that, that would highlight that. I could totally see them doing that with Marvel, uh, Marvel comics, just to fill in the gaps as to like, here's how Moff Gideon went through the ranks, you know, was charged for war crimes by the Republic and they the new Republic. Um, psych, he's still alive and serving the empire. Like, you know, or he's trying I mean, to build his own. Right. And, and that's, that's something we, I think we all kind of thought and wondered is how is it that the empire still exists, which I, I know, like, you know, they kind of went off to the, um, the outer rim territories and, um, you know, the uncharted spots within the galaxies that, you know, aren't, aren't really like they aren't mapped. So aside from maybe the empire themselves, which is, you know, obviously how they kind of come back and, you know, you know, they did it back in the uh, extended universe with, with the, with, you know, how, um, you know, Admiral Thrawn kind of originally came into the picture. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where I'd love to see more of it. And I'm, and I'm glad we're, you know, we're getting more of this in you know, the next few seasons of Mandalorian. Well, and the great thing is, is, you know, this is still 25 years prior to the force awakens. Right. So there is a lot of time for these little small pockets of Imperial folks to try to revive the empire before it <clears throat> truly falls. I think they said that the, uh, in canon, the Battle of Jakku happens seven years after Return of the Jedi, um, which is like the technical true fall of the Empire. Uh, it's not just when Palpatine dies that it's that the end, but um, but I mean, there's there's a lot of storytelling that can come out of this, and God only knows <laughs> where where they're going to go with it. I think they're going to hopefully surprise us. They've uh, you know people on Twitter that are film critics have mentioned that screeners are not going out to members of the press for this season, which means that there are probably Good. some pretty big secrets that they're trying to hold. Um, just to, to give some context that the only episode that didn't get sent to the press last year was the pilot because they were trying to hold the baby Yoda secret. So uh, if they're doing that with the entire season for season two, that's, that's just crazy talk. Yeah, yeah. No, there's there's something big, and I can't help but wonder if it it, it kind of doesn't make sense for all of this to exist in a pocket in a vacuum and to not matter to the the sequels in some way, right? And especially something as big as as the dark saber and 
I just keep wondering if it, if he's somehow connected to, you know, Palpatine or, um, the, you know, the the at least efforts to to revive him or or if he was like just a zealot, you know, maybe Moff Gideon was a zealot, and the reason he wants the child is to somehow be able to become a Jedi himself. You know, or maybe like, he has a connection to the force already that we don't he know. He could. About. He could. Yeah. But he may he may also just know about Metaclorians and all this kind of stuff and think that if he has one that you know he could do something, you know, some some weird uh wizardry kind of shit and and you know impart some of that to him. Um but he strikes me as the kind of guy who who knows a lot of of information. Yeah. He, he is, almost strikes me as a Thrawn type character. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. He, he, he uses, comes across as that. Not only his brains, but also the things that he knows, where he mentions right. Din Djarin, yeah. you're a Mandalorian, but your parents were killed during the Great Purge and the Night of a Thousand Tears. And like he knows this dude's whole backstory. And he knows yeah. Grief Karga's whole backstory. And he knows Cara Dune's whole backstory. And he recites it to them. And they're all just like, fuck <laughs> like he, he is equipped with knowledge but also uh, a skill set that i don't think we've fully explored yet and i can't wait to see more of and also an e-web heavy repeating rifle hell yeah dude that. <laughs> yeah that's another throwback i mean badass um and i love how he kind of uses it to taunt uh cara dune oh and, yeah you know and, and it's just like you kind of see like the terror in her face because she knows all too well you know all her squad mates and platoon mates that just got murdered, you know, and obliterated. Um, So something that I I got was a little confused on in in the midst of all the battle and everything, when Mando grabs the rifle off of that, that one thing and just starts blasting away. Is that the E-Web that he grabs? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's basically battery powered. And that's when Moff Gideon shoots. He's like, Aiming right at him, and he just you know aims it right at the uh, battery instead, and it's like they had some boom. of those on on um, on Hoth, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, I believe so. Uh, it's like snowtroopers with the big long he, helmets. Right. I think yeah. they had some of those guns there. Yeah, if anything, it could have been like I think it was maybe the the like the, the predecessor. Yeah, yeah, the predecessor of, uh, but um. I'm not even going to get into the whole sequel aspect of it. Um, but just even taking into consideration like where we might be going with, with the next few seasons of Mandalorian, right? Like, um, I, I know I, I wonder what's really going to happen with the child and, you know, does it have a name? Will we get the biggest reveal probably in the, in the, in the entirety of Star Wars period? Uh, over the last, you know, what forty something years of 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 existence, um, so um, I, I would say knowing Yoda's species would it's probably one. be one of the biggest reveals in in the entirety. Right. So um, between that, uh, you know, the child having a name, uh, seeing what ends up happening and becoming of the child. Right. Like. Kind of what we were saying what, what what would happen if they go to like I I don't know if if you know Jin, um, uh, uh, or Din Jaren would actually go to Dagobah 
you know, it's like, I don't know if he would see Yoda or not. Like, I mean, no, but he could, he could definitely take him to Luke Skywalker. Well, that's something that obviously like we, I mean, we know that Luke's not in this, in this season, although, or do we, or yeah, or that could be a huge, like, you know, you know, uh, like in the vault of things unknown. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, cause we already know that, or and again, I guess it's not a hundred percent, but that Rosario Dawson is, uh, playing Ahsoka Tano. So that would be very big and obviously tie the whole, you know, <laughs> you know, evil sorcerer, uh, Jedi's together, even though she's not a Jedi. Um, you know, if anything, she's a, you know, a great Jedi, but she goes, um, Oh my god, I can't think I'm having a brain fart of, of uh her um you remember what she's called? She has another name that she she goes by um, Fulcrum. with with her, Fulcrum with her with her two white sabers. Come yeah. on, if we see them. Yeah. Ah man, that'd be pretty badass. I'd, I'd be down. You know a, a showdown between the two white sabers and the dark saber. And the black dark saber. Yeah, it'd be uh. badass. Well, and that's the thing. I think if that happened, like we would have to know that. Moff Gideon ha- is some sort of, is, has some sort of force attunement, um, yeah. you know, and not to not to say that that would bother me or anything like that, but um, you know, at this point, we don't really know. It's like if, if that's imagine the sequel trilogy doesn't exist just for a second, you know, and this is kind of how we're going, we're proceeding with Star Wars. The only other thing that you would technically know is where Star Wars Battlefront Two, the video game that has a main like a, a story to it, right? A campaign mm-hmm. that takes place with the battle of Jakku. Um, that's the last like campaign or right. yeah, the story in the campaign. So it's like, you see more of how it, I guess, leads up to the force awakens. Um, and that the empire is, is gone and they have to like basically flee, yep. you know, into the depths of the galaxy. And but we do see Luke Skywalker because he goes to, um, I forget what planet it is in the game, but you, you, we find one of the holocrons and, um, you know, so again, just get Sebastian Stan, you know, to look like a young <laughs> Luke Skywalker. Like we've already, we, Mark Hamill has already thrown that picture out there like a couple of years ago. So, I mean, I'm sure they could do it. Like I'm sure Favreau already has connections with Sebastian because of Marvel. So oh, like, yeah. For sure. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if they pulled out the the tech that they use for the Irishman for Scorsese. Yeah, just, just, just DH Mark Hamill. Yeah, or like, yeah, DH Mark yeah. Hamill. You fuck, know? man. Like, like, I, I, think I know the, he's done, but that camera tech that they built for the Irishman, ILM built that for them. Mm-hmm. So they have the technology already. Like, and this this should be in the time when when Luke was trying to to train. Build you know, the Jedi this, Academy. Yeah, it's, it it shouldn't be you know hermit time or anything like that. So finding him uh, shouldn't be that big of a task. Imagine you know? if Baby Yoda is training at Luke's Jedi Temple and is one of the beings that Kylo Ren slaughters when he turns to the dark side. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I, listen, listen. I'm sorry, but like, imagine how much people would hate that. <laughs> listen, there's no way that Kylo Ren was more powerful. Than baby yodes <laughs> no no way just saying holy shit imagine like there i i don't want to say this uh and have it come out the wrong way because uh i i actually like the sequel trilogy un- unlike some people on this podcast but the way that, 
the Clone Two Wars. Two out of three ain't bad. So the way that the Clone Wars series elevated the prequels, I think there is a distinct chance that this show and the subsequent shows that spin off of this show could possibly, maybe, help some people turn a corner on the sequels by providing some additional context. It's it's a genuine possibility, Nick. I'm not saying that you're going to be one of those people, but <laughs> probably not. I mean, unless unless Favreau somehow like reverse retcons things that happen in the sequel trilogy. Which... Well, listen, if it if it just makes you or helps you to hate it less, I'll consider that a win. Yeah, that's right. probably that's that's closer probably, to you know realistic. I think you know. I mean, listen. Uh, Rise of Skywalker was garbage. Um, <laughs> Last Jedi, Last Jedi was a pile of shit. Um, you know, <laughs> the Force Awakens, honestly, like, and and I'll even say it, like, I mean, I saw it a few times in theaters. The one part that, like, I could feel the anger inside my my heart rupture when Han Solo gets murked, and like, it was so plain. And and honestly, it's like, I don't know. Like, no offense to JJ, but like, he could have done better. You know, I mean, no, I agree. Like, I agree. it's just, but, but, but getting back but, to the but, <laughs> but, okay. So, so I'll, 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 I'll connect the dots here. But, and I, I got, I, I wanted, I wanted Snoke to be the villain. I wanted, come on, Andy fucking Circus yeah. voicing him. Come on, man. You, you, you threw him like a, like a wet towel down the freaking hallway. Like, you know, like, eh, worthless. You know, like, okay. So hear me out on this. I'll connect the dots. What would break our hearts from the Mandalorian to the sequels? What if the reason why Snoke looks all screwed up in the face and even Snoke says in the little Kylo Ren, the rise of Kylo Ren comic book series that Luke fucked them up. Yep. What if that was because Snoke killed baby Yoda oh, and Luke Christ. was like, <laughs> and Luke was like, like no, I'm gonna go a little dark side on you, Snoke, and show you what a, that I am the most powerful Jedi in the galaxy. I'm a, I'm a merc you close to death, and the only person that saves you is my nephew because I won't kill my nephew. Oof. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. You heard it first in the Real Heroes. Or, <laughs> or maybe the only person that could save him was Palpatine, and Palpatine, uh, in an effort to save him, also ended up cloning him. I I didn't like that in Rise of Skywalker. No, I know. I know. Hey, hey, the the fact that I didn't like I didn't like any of that shit. But the (laughs) but the the fact that the fact is though, it it could still be a possibility. I mean, it it could be just because we don't like it doesn't mean that it couldn't happen. Right. Well, and I think it kind of you go back to Episode Three of the Mandalorian, right? And it's like, why why were they running tests on him? Right. For what for what purpose for what reasoning like, you know, if if Palpatine was alive still, um, he knows about Yoda, right? He knows how powerful Yoda is. Like, and if he had heard that there was a, you know, an an, uh, an offspring of some kind, or if he found out like another one of his species exists still, um, yeah. After- yeah, and not the, not that he thinks that Yoda is dead or anything like that, but still, like, I mean, he could have just, yeah, exactly gone after it and been like, oh, I need his genes. Yep. 
you know? So. Yeah, he might just be trying to engineer like an entire uh, legion of Jedi powered, force attuned stormtroopers kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, a whole clone army that are attuned to the force, right. you know? And I mean, he's done some crazy shit before, you know, he's created uh, Jedi from basically nothing. He's, <laughs> right. he's, you know, done, he's created the clones. He's done all kinds of stuff. He's and and so why not? I just take yeah. this one step further. I need some incredibly uh, attuned with the force species in order to use some of that you know genetic code to modify these clones in order to make these you know force sensitive clone troopers yeah because his first try they made the clones from a bounty hunter yeah and that apparently wasn't good enough so let's throw some force in there (laughs) absolutely you know not beyond the realm of possibility also since we know that whatever we know that whatever species yoda is they live for a very long time right? right And we know that when Yoda died, he was around 900 years old. But we don't Correct. know how old Yaddle was when we saw her, as right. far as I know. So what if, what if, uh, and we never saw her die. So right. what if Mando ends up taking baby Yoda to Yaddle? Dude, if they dusted that weird looking fucking puppet off. <laughs> I'd be that'd be great. I'd be so happy. That'd be, that'd be amazing, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah, because I wonder if they would. They, I mean, they'll probably like you know spice her up a bit, like you know, throw me a bit, you know, the digital effects. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, this but is six still. years. What sixty, seventy years after uh, episode three? It's it's getting around Somewhere that there. point. Yeah. For Yaddle, yeah. yeah. For Yaddle, she could live that long easily. Oh yeah. You know, she posted up on some you know planet in the outer rim somewhere, and then he finds her and. Here you go, you know, not my problem anymore. She went to uh, the galaxy's version of Florida. She's just retired and chilling out. God. Yeah. She's in Absolutely. the villages. <laughs> All right. But you know, yeah. We, so we, we could go on and on for days I know, about yeah. theories about what this is going to be. Um, I, I do want to read some very interesting yeah, quotes that, that I pulled from a, an EW article that came out a few months ago. So, this is all in reference to season two. Um, talking about the relationship between John Favreau and Dave Filoni, um, they refer to it as bringing balance to the force. And when Favreau breaks down their process, he says, I'll come up with ideas. And sometimes Dave will say, you can't do this in Star Wars. And then I'll, <laughs> and then I'll cite examples to him from the movies or from the Clone Wars show to try to use it as a justification. I'm like a lawyer talking to a judge. I'm basically <laughs> to him as he was to George back in the day. I won't do anything without Dave's approval. And to his credit, he understands that Star Wars needs to be fun and ever evolving. That's a recipe for success. Oh, it 100%. is all over it. Like it that, is. We talked about it before in these last couple episodes about their relationship and why it, it makes it work, but he doesn't do anything without Filoni's approval. Yeah. Well, that's also you know, the, the sign of a team that respects each other. Right. And it's Which a I, huge, it's a huge ode to Lucas too. Yeah. Cause it's, it's basically, you know, Filoni is essentially speaking through Lucas. Right. And because Dave's basically the, the protege. Right. He's, yeah. you know, and I, and I think, and I, it's, it's kind of, it's, it just speaks volumes about who George Lucas 
is um, because if you combined, you know, John Favreau's vision and just the knowledge and, and, and just literal understanding of what Star Wars is between both of them, but obviously with, uh, you know, Dave Filoni, especially the two of them basically equal George Lucas. Now I will say, obviously John Favreau knows how to write uh, a show, a movie, he knows how to direct, you know, and he's not that bad at acting either, you know? So it's like, yeah, you've got such a great package with his money, baby. Well, they both are, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And, and like that right there is a treat. And like we've said, you know, I've never, I haven't felt this way about Star Wars since, you know, since when Lucas was in charge, really. And, and it's not to, to shit on, you know, um, Disney's version, but I mean, I'll say even with Rogue One, Rogue One hit me in the feels with star wars you know and even when i i didn't you know you guys know this but i didn't i boycotted solo for some time and until i warmed up around watching it and i'm like there's actually a lot of stuff in here that comes from the extended universe that mm-hmm. um you know and i think it's the credit to um uh um oh my god um, Ron Howard, <laughs> yeah. that's uh, like, he's a big Star Wars fan, you know, and I think the movie gets better as it goes along, but I mean, again, it, it kind of does feel like Star Wars at certain points, you know, like like real, real old school Star Wars. Um, and, uh, and I, sure there's, there's bits and pieces of it scattered on the sequel trilogy, but I mean, the fact that we're, you know, these guys are just teaming up continuously and just giving us multiple seasons of this is uh, you can't not be excited nope. at all. Yeah. 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 So said. next quote uh, coming from John Favreau himself. Uh, he said, this new season is about introducing a larger story in the world. The stories become less isolated yet each episode has its own flavor and hopefully we're bringing a lot more scope to the show. Dave Filoni adds, everything gets bigger, the stakes get higher, but the personal story between the child and the Mandalorian develops in a way I think people will enjoy. So to me, that sounds a lot like they took feedback from people that didn't care so much maybe for the throwaway episodes or the filler episodes, and they're telling a more streamlined throughput throughout these eight episodes, which is awesome. Um, They also mentioned in the article... Uh, to go along with the stakes getting higher and the scope getting bigger, that uh, season one, part of the $100 million they spent had to go towards like startup costs with getting that that soundstage bill and the volume and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, they were able to pump those funds in season two directly into the show. So I think you're going to get something that looks even more like a movie than what we got in season one, which is... Uh, pretty incredible. And do you think yeah. $100 million for eight episodes of TV is that's completely bonkers? It's, it is nuts. Yeah. And, and it sounds to me too like this is them saying, hey, uh, you know, at season one was kind of proof of concept. Um, everybody lost their shit over it. And 
So now the gloves are off when it comes to how we can play in the Star Wars universe and what we can do with it. You know, it, it almost seems to me like they were given creative license to go after some of these like lesser known, more obscure things like the Darksaber. Um, and, and now that it's proven to be as popular as it is, they probably have the green light to tackle some more mainstream uh, characters and subject matter and all that kind of stuff in the Star Wars universe that would be, you know, more relevant to everybody that is a Star Wars fan rather than just those yeah. diehard fans. So that's very exciting because that, that just being able to have that freedom allows them to tie all of this together even more. Yeah. Yep. So next, next chunk from the article, uh, Nick, you'll absolutely love this. Uh, it says that one major visitor to the season two set was George Lucas himself. Hey. who stopped by to watch some filming while Dave Filoni was directing. Uh, actors who worked with the Star Wars creator on the original trilogy had famously said that Lucas's most common direction to his actors was to be faster and more intense. Uh, and even after 40 years, some things have not changed. Uh, Favreau said that he would be giving Dave a hard time about how many setups he was getting and how fast he was shooting and urging him to go faster. He was like a boxer's corner man coaching him, but always with a twinkle in his eye. <laughs> so Amazing. Lucas is literally on set coaching Filoni as he's directing live action. Like Amazing. It's, it's basically, you're, you're, you're basically getting George Lucas directed Star Wars again. Yeah, I, exactly. That's what I was saying before. Property. Like. <laughs> Like, hey, look, these are these movies are happening after episode six. So technically, Nick, if you want to look at it, or I'm sorry, these these uh, TV shows, these episodes. So technically, you can look at The Mandalorian season one and season two as the sequels. These, these can. <laughs> oh, be, I am no like yeah. like like my, my so my 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 belief is that Star Wars is George Lucas, or anything that George Lucas is a part of is Star Wars. Uh -huh. um and and but like and, and not to poke fun or anything like that but it, but like but think about it the prequels rebels clone wars mandalorian the original saga like when you add all that together that he was a part of and way versus the things that he's not a part of i mean what 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 way is more right like it's just it's like it's like simple math almost um was he involved in Rogue One at all? So he talked to Gareth Edwards on the phone about some things. Yeah. Um, and in Solo, uh, do you guys remember the scene where uh, Han and Kira make out in Lando's cape closet? Yeah. Mm -hmm. George actually directed that scene. Oh, okay. So. Which that's kind of cool because it had a lot of throwbacks too. Uh, big time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It felt like Empire Strikes Back on the Falcon with... It really did. Leia, so it did. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty cool. But I think that's all like, that was I, missing was "I love you." I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'll 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 say with with Solo though, like I, I think that also goes with Ron Howard, and I don't know if Ron Howard and Lucas have like a relationship at all, but oh, they're they're buddies. I, I'm sure. I, I'm sure they are. Just you know, um, well, I mean, I know they are actually. Why am I saying that? Because yeah, I mean, Ron Howard graffiti. Graffiti, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know that they probably chatted about a lot of stuff. And again, like Ron Howard re redid like what? Like 75? Yeah. yeah. Like, so, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's like, hey, George, I'm going to, 
what do you think about these things? And who knows how long they chatted for and just did it. And then, so I know George Lucas was at the premiere of, of Solo. So it's yeah. like he probably had a helping hand in it. And I mean, obviously, just like what you said for that part of the Falcon. So, I mean, but, but again, it just proves my point. Whatever he's sort of a part of it to any extent, it, there's some sort of magic. And like, obviously, we can harp on, this, on the prequels all we want until Filoni says, you're wrong about the Phantom Menace. Here's right. why. Here's and then why. your mind is, your mind's blown. And it's like, I've been wrong the last 20 something <laughs> years. <laughs> Shitting on this movie first because of pod racing is, is, is too boring. And, and, and on that day, Corey realized just how wrong <laughs> he's been for 25 <laughs> years. <laughs> you know, it just it occurred to me that the George Lucas and Lucasfilm relationship is very much like the, Steve Wozniak and Apple relationship at this yeah. point. Yeah, he's a consultant at this point. Yeah, but but Very like much. after having, I've, I don't know if you were there the day that that Steve came to our store, Corey. Yeah, I, I was there. After having spoken with him and and been there in the room with him, it's obvious that he he doesn't agree with the direction that Apple's taken any more than Lucas agrees with the direction that Star Wars has taken. And it's, exactly. it's a very similar type of situation there. That's funny. But cool. So I have uh, one, one more thing from this article that I thought was really interesting. I and mean, it's, it's the closing paragraph uh, of the article. And it says, the breakout success of season one has fandom anticipation for the new episodes running extremely high. If Favreau is correct that The Mandalorian Season 1 benefited from low expectations, there will be no such grading on a curve this time. Yet, no one sounds worried. Uh, Gina Carano said, I have no question fans are going to like this season even more. Everything is in there, and if you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to get to see things you always wanted to see. Or, as Dave Filoni reliably puts it, you want The Empire Strikes Back to be better than A New Hope. And if Dave is telling us that two is better than one. God. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, how could you not be excited for it? Oh, man. I just, I can't wait. Filoni is saying that? That's it, exactly, it's the last sentence of the article, is that Listen, you man. want the Empire Strikes Back to be better than A New Hope. He just compared Mandalorian Season 2 to Empire Strikes, Empire Strikes Back. Back. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which I believe, and this is just my theory, but I think this season is ending on a major league cliffhanger. And I think Moff Gideon is getting the baby. I hope so. Uh, that's one of the, the greatest things about Empire Strikes Back. It ends on a downer. Um, it, not a lot of that movie is happy, you know, no. uh, and it feels real because of it. It's, it's the most, uh, you know, emotionally real of the, of the original um, trilogy, in my opinion. And that's part of the reason. So I hope that happens, man. I, you know, I, they, they've already greenlit uh, season three, correct? Uh, at least three. John Carlos said three and four, but no, no one knows for a fact if that's if that's true. But uh, right. three, so I, three is going into production before this year finishes. So, so yeah, I would absolutely love to see the child fall into uh, Gideon's hands at the end of this uh, this next season. I think and that'd be fantastic. The world loses their shit. Yeah. <laughs> I say you, you want you want to talk about the internet internet exploding, yeah. uh, mess with with a child, you know, uh, yeah. Baby Yoda like, and and people will absolutely flip their shit. Um, so, do we want to talk about uh, like briefly um, 
what might happen in the first episode, what we, what we might see in the first episode? Well, I think you're going to get some, some solid action on display. Uh, the reason I say that is because John Favreau is directing the premiere of this season, um, which he did not direct a, an episode last year. Uh, right. So the fact that he's doing it, uh, word on the street is that it's a very long episode. Uh, apparently oh, it, clock, right. yeah, it yeah, clocks yeah. in around 52 minutes, which is the longest oh. episode of the show so far. Um, and Pedro Pascal was on good morning America this week. And he said that he was blown away by the first episode of this season when he read the script. So oh, man. Uh, I don't know what that means. And I'm not even, I don't even care to try to predict it, but, I, I just I can't wait for it to be Friday morning so I can <laughs> just watch it. You're not just gonna stay up Thursday night. No, I'm gonna wake up at like six thirty or seven o'clock and, and watch it because the episodes gonna... drop at like three a.m. So Nick's staying up. I know he is. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or I, I, here's what I'll probably end up doing is waking up early, going to the gym, uh, still being jacked off of uh, <laughs> phrasing, uh, jacked up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So that's um, what you go to the gym for? Yes, Jack. <laughs> Forearms. Wait, what gym do you go to? <laughs> uh, the one where this, this this ginger guy works at. Sadly, um, <laughs> he jerks you off. No, you <laughs> gross. Um, no, uh, I'll still be uh, <laughs> not getting to see the damn line. Um, I'll still be uh, all jacked up on Mountain Dew is what you're trying to say. No rain or, you know, um, (laughs) uh, caffeine. And I'll probably just watch Mandalorian right right after that or before one of the two. Um, But yeah, I'll I'll probably end up watching at least a half dozen times over the course of that weekend alone. Um, And then we're going to talk about it. Yeah. On this show, because that's the next eight weeks of our lives is, thoroughly dissecting all eight of these episodes of of season two which we're very excited for yeah absolutely. my one prediction for uh i think just just from what we've seen in the trailer uh, or like the teasers is um the gamorian boxing yeah part yeah. i think that might be in the first episode okay um because it might make sense like on his journey trying to find you know planets or or find out more about you know, backgrounds, uh, species, et cetera, et cetera. Um, stumbles in the, you know, dark pits of a, you know, Gamorrean boxing ring, uh, you know, alluding to uh, Return of the Jedi. First rule of Gamorrean Fight Club is we don't talk about Gamorrean Fight Club. <laughs> that's true. God, I hope that's a line. <laughs> I hope that's a line. I, I think we're also going to see a, a, like a Wampa ice creature at some point. Oh, yes. Um, because I think they've hinted at that with the ice caves in the right. in the trailer. Yeah. <clears throat> we also get get speeder bikes on some ice planet. Another boat. I love Star Wars boats. I don't know why. Hell yeah, man! <laughs> yeah, Star Wars boats are awesome. Legit just, boat. Just the trailer alone has shown sand planet, ice planet, uh, city covered in graffiti, planet full of water. Like they're they're going they're going to lots of places in this yeah. season, which is which is going to be interesting because i think he's he's going to be on like he says a, a quest to try to find either baby yoda's species or the jedi or other mandalorians that can help him and i think that's right. there's going to be some serious planet hopping that yeah. that goes along with it for sure 
Agreed. Cool, man. Well, I I'm stoked. I don't know about you, Corey. <laughs> yes, I, I, do. <laughs> I, think, I think you know. Uh, you're, you're like, I've never seen you this excited. I'm usually not a happy person by default, <laughs> but <laughs> this week has just been like, oh my God, Star Wars is happening. Yeah. So um, should, should we wrap it up? You think that's a good place to, to stop so I can go take like a sedative and calm down. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Well, that, that's going to wrap it up for, for this episode, guys. Uh, stay tuned with us over the, the next couple uh, weeks and months is uh, we're going to do deep dives of every single episode that comes out for this second season. Um, if you enjoy listening, please go ahead and find us on your favorite podcast station and uh, leave us a review or a rating. Tell your friends, get the word out. Uh, we're on social media, Real Heroes Podcast on Instagram and Real Heroes Pod on Twitter. Uh, and if you have any questions for us, any feedback, or if you want to uh, get in on the Mandalorian conversation, you can shoot us an email at realheroespodcast at gmail.com. So uh, until next time, we have spoken. Thank you.